This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. Today, folks, I want to speak about musical genesis. Founded in 1842, the New York Philharmonic is the oldest symphonic orchestra in the United States. They undertook their first domestic tour in 1882, playing a leading role in the development of musical life in America. The St. Louis Symphony is reputedly the second oldest, established as a St. Louis Choral Society in 1880, which developed into the symphony with its first performance in 1881. It was created by and for German immigrants who wanted to celebrate the music of their nation's legendary composers. The Portland, Oregon Youth Philharmonic is recognized as the oldest youth symphony dating back to 1924. And the New Bedford Symphony in Massachusetts stretches back 108 years, which includes over 11 conductors. Through the ages, orchestras are survivors. Whether regional, youth, or one of the top five in the world, they have all evolved and experienced their own transformations through the ages. And one of the proud survivors in this community is the Stamford Symphony. Originally setting up on stage in 1919, But with the advent of the war, the orchestra had to wait for its renaissance in 1967. The appointment of Skitch Henderson in 1974 marked a turning point for the orchestra as a fully professional symphony. And now, conductor Michael Stern has powered through the pandemic with his appointment as music director, bringing the Stamford Symphony to a new generation of musical brilliance. President and CEO of the orchestra, Russell Jones, has manned the executive office admirably since 2017. And now, both of these gentlemen are moving the orchestra towards a new life, another renaissance which will prove once again they are an orchestra which deserves the title of survivor and musical diplomat for their audience. I am thrilled to have Russell Jones and Michael Stern with me today on Center Stage. Welcome, gentlemen. It is an honor, of course. A pleasure to be here. You know, first of all, congratulations on your season, which is closed with a recent concert featuring Florence Price's Piano Concerto and the Mazorsky Pictures and an Exhibition. And I started the show today with an excerpt from Pulitzer Prize-winning composer Jason Schwantner's Chasing Light and Illumination, is what we will be speaking about today, isn't it, Michael? It is indeed, because we are about to move into a very bright new chapter. And the Stanford Symphony, which has a long and, I hope, very optimistic future ahead of us, is actually no longer. Isn't that right, Russell? That's right. We've spent the pandemic uh, not wasting a good crisis. (laughs) And we've gone very deep into what makes us tick and what we think the role of an orchestra needs to be in and for the community. And we are looking at a much larger footprint across the, um, the, the Fairfield County. And so, yes, we are going to rebrand. Uh, we have rebranded. What is our genesis uh, culminating in, gentlemen? We are now called Orchestra Lumos. Orchestra from Lumos. Lumos. From, the, from the Latin for light. And we will be illuminating music across Fairfield County. Fairfield County only? Isn't this going to go worldwide? I I have a feeling. (laughs) Well, worldwide worldwide may be a little bit getting ahead of our skis, but I have no doubt that our limitations um, 
are very few. Mm-hmm. We are we are really limited only by our creativity and our um, aspiration. I think that the spirit and the talent of the musicians have demonstrated throughout this pandemic um, that we are in a very good place to defy expectations. This is exciting. I, I like this uh, perspective, let's call it, you know, that, that breeds inspiration and that, of course, breeds the light. Very exciting. Well, you, you said something very interesting at the top of the show because you were talking about the history of orchestras in the United States mm-hmm. and specifically, uh, specifically about the New York Philharmonic. Um, you know, back in the day, and, and certainly uh, talking about the Philharmonic, it was founded by Theodore Thomas, um, and yes, you can say it was, you know, very much reflective of its time and it played that music. But remember, that music was really new music. It was. Yeah. Uh, even the music of Beethoven was not that long before the creation of the orchestra. Um, and I think while music is going to be forever, the institutions which bring art into the world have to evolve constantly and have to adapt to the world as it is. And I think the idea that we can safely stay in our ivory towers Hmm. and simply play music the way it was played 150 years ago is nonsense, especially after the pandemic, because the pandemic changed a lot of things in a lot of ways for a lot of people. Hmm. And what is so exciting about this new chapter and and why i think it's it's so wonderful that russell and i are so aligned with the musicians and with the board in this mission is that by bringing great art into the world we're actually making the case that music all art really but certainly music is service and i think we are diminished in this life without art and mm-hmm. certainly without music. I can't think of a, a day without music of any meaning. And so um, I believe that that is part of the answer to what ails us. Mm-hmm. And we as an organization have to think proactively for the future. What can art bring to the community? What can art bring to our constituencies in in ways that maybe we haven't before, and how can we bring more people into the fold Mm -hmm. to make the case that music and art are so important? And you mentioned uh, survival. Mm -hmm. We're not interested in just surviving. We want to not just survive, but thrive. And this isn't a coat of paint for one season, and that we we just rebrand for the the season. This is a 25-year project. This is to ensure that there is a professional orchestra in Fairfield County, we're calling it Orchestra Lumos at the moment, for the next 25 years. We're just custodians of this institution. (laughs) Uh, The musicians in particular, who outlast chief executives and music directors and board members, um, many of our musicians have been here 20, 30, 35 years, and they get why we're doing this and why it's so important to uh, do everything we can, A, to live up to our, truly live up to our mission and involve everybody in the community, I think, honestly, over the last many years, we haven't done that as well as we could. That we rebrand, we repackage ourselves, we go to the community and say, how do you want to get your fix of classical music or the symphony or a string quartet on your patch, whether it's at Westport Library or the first congregational church in Greenwich or the Nature Centre 
in in Stamford. Uh, we will be going out to pe- to small spaces close to people, uh, as well, of course, as expanding the program on stage at the Palace. And Michael's just put together an incredible season next year with some great talent, and and a lot of new music and new composers that we haven't played before. So it's yes, we are trying to be many more things to many more people, and say so you too can enjoy this incredible thing that is a symphony orchestra in all its guises. You've just touched on something that I feel is very important, and that is the intimacy that orchestras can share with people. It's not just about large spaces. And certainly during this pandemic, I have spoken about this so many times on my show, how it has affected all artists, all arts organizations. I think people are actually tired of hearing it. But we have really been in a critical state so many people have lost their their careers. So many people have changed careers. And you guys have persevered, and I think it's so admirable. And you had a huge online presence. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, that's pivotal because so you're reaching a lot of people, people who wouldn't ordinarily walk into the Palace Theater. But here now, we, we can imbibe in so much online. I'm, I'm, I'm big on online. I think it's wonderful. Um, and I'm sure you're going to carry on with that online presence. Well, I think the digital reality is going to be with us now forever. Mm -hmm. So you can't get away from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we we actually did a very uh, comprehensive job trying to get music out to the public at a time when we were all so distanced and so um, compartmentalized. Yeah, yeah. That said, music is conversation, music is is communion, Mm -hmm. and music is also a kind of... um, spiritual togetherness, which is more than just Mm. the notes on the page or the performance itself. It is the human act of experiencing something, and it is enhanced if you are doing that in the society of other people around you because the collective energy that you have in that conversation between the performers on the stage and the people listening is tangible, and it is real. So... There will never be for me, despite all of the advances made in technology and and digital uh, streaming and so forth, there will never be a replacement for live performance. So the question now is, as Russell said, we want to make this uh, a, a permanent fixture in how the entire region has art and music for itself. Mm-hmm. And yes... They should come and experience these large-scale orchestral events with other people because it is transform- transformative. Of course, yeah. But music can also be, as you just said, intimate. And mm-hmm. so to go to those places and to bring music out into the world creates a dialogue which we could have, well, I think all orchestras could have done more of beforehand, but now those who are forward-looking are doing in some ways, more or less, we intend to do it more. Yeah, that's exciting. That's really exciting. And I think you, Michael, you're the right person at the right time. I mean, you're, you're taking over the reins, finally, officially, you know, with this new season. And we spoke in our last interview about your joy of building, you know, like with the Iris, Symphon- Iris Orchestra in Tennessee. And I think you're an architect, of the tomorrows. I think this is a really, really pivotal point for, for Orchestra Lumos. Well I, well, I appreciate you saying that, and I think that um, 
there is strength in intelligent collaboration, and there is an enormous strength and power in the uh, collective and like-minded passion of people who have the same higher goal. Yeah, intuition. I think that's really yeah. important. Yeah, and and you know we've got great partners. I think Russell, you'd agree. The board is is has been tremendous. Yep. Um, the community is starting to realize what we have here in the the potential mm-hmm. for this new endeavor is uh, really transformational. And all we're interested in doing is making the case that music can matter in the community in a way that I think, like I said before, will surprise a lot of people and will defy expectations. Um, I happen to live in this community. My children are growing up in this community, and that's why I wanted, you know, as I start to enter my dotage, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to start stop traveling and, 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 and doing other things, but mm-hmm. I am very committed to making something real and meaningful happen where my children are growing up, but also um, it's really a privilege to work with special people yeah, and with people who have a vision not for something for themselves, but of something greater. And to plug into that and have the, the opportunity to contribute to that is very special. It's a beautiful thing. So tell me, Russell Jones, how did you come upon the name Orchestra uh-huh. Lumos? A, a lot, tortured process. A lot of meetings. <laughs> yeah, a lot of brainstorms, a lot of gin. Um, oh, that's good. It works every time. <laughs> Look, we didn't want a, a geographical name. We're mm-hmm. going to be the only orchestra in Connecticut, maybe even the tri-state area that doesn't have a, a geography in mm-hmm. its name. But I like that. Yeah. Uh, we also wanted something that we, we've dropped a lot of jargon and code. Words like philharmonic, mm-hmm. words like, you know, phrases like chamber music. Yeah. You know, we're going we're gonna to have a series of small space concerts, which are chamber music concerts. But we are, the, the good thing about where we are is that the, the product is in very, very good shape. Thank goodness Beethoven is still really core and central and people like him and <laughs> that ain't changing yeah but in so many other ways if we're really truly going to be there for everyone in the community especially those that don't even know we have a symphony mm-hmm. in 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 stanford and, mm-hmm. and now the wider community uh we need to be as uh, approachable as possible and that people feel comfortable coming to a concert yes of course we want everybody to come to the palace and hear 85 of us play the great, great repertoire that, that mm-hmm. Michael's programmed. But if, if you're fix of the symphony, uh, if you're an under-40-year-old uh, and, and you come to one of our sell-out concerts at the Half-Full Brewery with two of our musicians doing a couple of sets and a Q&A, and that's your fix of the symphony, who are we to say that that isn't an equally valid Absolutely. Uh, collaboration mm-hmm. and touch point? And... That's what's different. We will now be at a small space near you, whether it's a classroom, a place of worship, a library, a shopping mall. We'll pop up there on your terms. We will still play great music. We will never let our standards slip. We will. Michael's very fond of saying there's no such thing as, you know, uh, there's just good, good music. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, but there's, right. there's, there's, we must always strive to play good music that's relevant and... Uh, 
And, and I think that's very different from where we were at Stanford Symphony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this, this is a question that a lot of people are debating in a lot of different places in different ways. Um, great music is great because it can be many different things to different people at the same time. And the reason why Beethoven still has relevance uh, and, and keeps its enduring power over us is f- because of what music can do. It is a perfectly, it is a perfect um, example of that. But there's also a lot of music that is not Beethoven, including music that was written last week. And one of the great things about our orchestra is the, the incredible curiosity and the flexibility of our musicians. So we intend to play everything, and we intend to make the case that you don't have to choose exclusively one or the other. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, what Russell mm-hmm. is saying is mm-hmm. these um, coded ideas, oh, I'm not going to come to the symphony because it means being bored at a stuffy concert of 18th century music. First of all, I would make the case that there's a lot of 18th century music which is neither stuffy nor boring. Um, but I also think that when you listen to new music and old music together, when you hear um, a different uh, way of delivering that message, which is always at the core of great music, e- especially younger ears will accept mm-hmm. anything. That's right. And that's the way you get music inside. That's right. Absolutely. Hey, you guys had me at hello. I mean, I think Orchestra Lumos is fantastic. I, I just think the whole idea of illumination mm-hmm. is central to what you are both saying right now, what we're all trying to say about music. And also... I'm I'm tired of hearing about going back to normal. I don't think there is going to be an, a normal any longer. I think that we're looking forward to a fantastic pavilion of possibilities. I like that po- pavilion, pavilion of possibilities. Pavilion of possibilities. That's pretty. That's hey, a lot that's of. Good. That's a lot of alliteration there. I think <laughs> I, this is my question to those people who want to go back to normal. A, what was normal, and B, normal wasn't all that great all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Russell said we're never going to waste the opportunity to use a good pandemic wisely. <laughs> um, I love that. We have the opportunity for a much more intelligent reboot. And you snooze, you lose. If you don't take mm-hmm. it, if we as a mm-hmm. society, as musicians, as organizations, don't take that opp- seize that opportunity mm-hmm. and make the most of it, then shame on us. Yeah, yeah. And tell me more about your programming, because I know it's very exciting with this whole idea about luminosity, that you're actually scheduling pieces, and, and very importantly, as Michael's just said, contemporary music about light. So, uh, you know, bring us into that. Well, that was just a little... Um, it started as an inside joke uh, between Russell and me, and, and it's sort of we, we sort of we like the conceit. Just to launch this new season, we happened to find a lot of pieces where light was explicitly the inspiration for the notes on the page. I think all music has the possibility to illuminate, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the act of making music is such a statement of faith mm-hmm. and is such a um, committed act of human communication that by very definition of it is to open up um, 
you know, to cut through the darkness. Mm -hmm. That said, during the pandemic, not necessarily caused by it, but maybe a little bit related to it because we were all at home and maybe a little more reflective and we had more time to consider what was happening. And as well, the outside world was blowing up and we had to come to a reckoning about things that were really important. One of those things was diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think in every corner of our lives, that has now taken hold Mm -hmm. very much in a good way and in a long overdue way. And so when you're asking about programming, we cannot survive as artists in the 21st century in America or anywhere else unless we are reflective of the time in which we live. Correct. And also, if we don't represent the voices of the people who are with us on this planet. And so our programming will absolutely reflect that Mm -hmm. because America is many things. Monolithic, it is not. Mm -hmm. And monochromatic, Mm -hmm. it is not. And so the idea of uh, a real diversity of expression is very much at the heart of who we must be going forward, and our programming is going to reflect that. Very exciting, very exciting. Russell, I know you've been through a lot in the past couple of years, and uh, how many scars are we wearing You know, through the <laughs> pandemic as president and CEO of trying to keep any business afloat? Yes, but... I said this last time, the, 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 the silver lining of mm-hmm. the COVID cloud was the incredible connection we made with our audience and our musicians and our musicians made with our audience uh, because online we got so much closer. The interviews, the talks, the lectures, the online premieres, we, we heard from our audience members saying, I feel I know the musicians, I know you all so much better now than one-dimensionally mm-hmm from long, a long distance at the back of the Palace Theatre. But this is important. <clears throat> I mean, it's that, like understanding it a great work of art, you know. Yeah. I mean, Fantastic. we've also, let's, we should make this point. You know, America has just made the biggest investment in the arts from government funding than, it's, than, than in the last 240-something years put together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The sky didn't fall. People didn't stop going to church. Uh, it, we proved something here in the way that Europe has long done. And I, I, I don't think it'll, it'll continue, obviously, at the levels that we've seen it. But I thank goodness we were supported very well by state and city and, and federal funds, which have got a lot of arts organisations through. Ironically, the challenge is now beginning as those funds uh, disappear and we're back on our own two feet again and we, we need to bring new audiences back into the halls. However, it did help enormously and I think uh, we are now in a position to come out of COVID into, into a new season with a shiny, bright new product that I think a lot of new people who don't know we, didn't know we existed at Stanford Symphony, mm-hmm. or if, we, if they did, didn't necessarily feel it was for them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is now, are now in a position to say, well, OK, we'll, we'll, we'll try. And I may be able to do it in my own town. And yeah, maybe I'll come to Stanford and hear this is so thrilling. I'm, I'm having this feeling, you know, like a Star Wars moment. You know how Star Wars came out of nowhere? Mm-hmm. Literally, we're in the month for it right now. And and really took the world by storm. And, and maybe you guys are going to be able to do the same thing. I mean, not unrealistically. We hope so, because 
I, I, I actually don't think it's a choice. I mean, we didn't sit down and think, let's rebrand because yeah. we, I think it was an imperative. You wanted to evolve. We, we want to evolve. And this will be Michael's first full season. It's my sixth season. And it's going to be my first normal season with a music director in place and a full series of concerts. That hasn't happened before. And, and we know there are, there are hungry audiences out there that we want to bring back and a lot of people that we haven't worked with before. And the first big part of that is that we've hired a full-time education and community engagement manager. Excellent. And Nick Gonzalez is out in the community from Greenwich to Bridgeport, absolutely making the connections in the classrooms, uh, the storytelling programs in libraries, the after-school programs, uh, the youth orchestras, where we're collaborating. Mm -hmm. Just to give you one example, the Greater Connecticut Youth Orchestras in Bridgeport and Fairfield, they came to us and said, we need your help. We want to build a chamber music program for our really elite kids. We actually have musicians in the orchestra that do that with the New York Youth Symphony. So it was a very easy pivot for us to go in to the youth orchestra there and begin to train their kids on, on Saturdays. That's a very successful program. We're going to use some of them at our gala it. concert in September. And it's, it's exactly what Lumos is about, yeah. that it's, it's collaborative and it's partnership. The right thing at the right time. I only have one big question for you both. When are you going to do the Mahler 8? <laughs> Just a small thing, Michael. Uh, wow. <laughs> Why Mahler 8? You couldn't... So... Well, going along with light again, I mean, this this is such a transformative piece that pulls together many, many performers. Could be a huge challenge. Many, many is an understatement. It's not um, called a symphony of a thousand for nothing. I can <laughs> help you find the choristers. I can, I promise. Okay, well, from, from your mouth to God's ears, we'll start planning that. Yep. Please. <laughs> Please do. I w you would make me very happy. Listen, I, I, I've got to thank you both for being on Center Stage today. Orchestra Lumos is going to literally go out and shine. And I, I, know, well, I know one thing to be true, and that is music is the catalyst that can spark strength, inspiration, motivation in young people, and a source of unbelievable peace and yet profound endorphin rush to us all. I hope all my listeners will, will bend their ears a little closer as they re-listen to this interview with Russell Jones and Michael Stern from Orchestra Lumos. Please go to Center Stage with PamelaCoon.com to experience the marvel of their music. And I want to thank both of my guests today for their brilliance and your time with me. I know you're both so busy, and God, you've got so many preparations to do. This is so exciting. So, and best of all, good fortune with Orchestra Lumos. In the meantime, stay safe out there. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. <laughs> <laughs>